Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. First, before we get going, I want to say if you are in America as a listener, happy Thanksgiving. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Also, tomorrow is birthday to one of my kids. My baby girl story's birthday is tomorrow. And we are so thankful for her in our lives. And what a joy to celebrate her on a day that we are mindful of all that we're thankful for. Anyone else out there have a birthday that falls on Thanksgiving this year? Super fun. Hey guys, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this um, show and it's Sacred Holidays. Anyone out there struggling to know who God is? You know Him, but you want to know Him more? This Advent, the Sacred Holiday Studies are breaking apart 25 attributes or characteristics of God. This Christmas is not just about a baby in a manger, but it's about learning who that baby represents. Sacred Holidays has released their devotional, He Is the Attributes of God. There's one for women, there's one for families, men, and teenage girls as well. Every day, you're going to study a different attribute of God. But each study, no matter if it's the woman's study, the families, the men, they're going to be studying the exact same attribute with just different content. So it allows your family to study different attributes of God together in your own time frame. Also, they're giving 10% of their profits and they're going to provide Advent studies for women in prison. And you guys know that every Tuesday I get to volunteer at my local jail and we're actually getting these for my women in my jail. So you can order the study at sacredholidays.com and be sure to use the promo code Happy Hour to get 10% off your total order. Okay, guys, today you are listening to episode number 116 and my guest is Ann Voskamp. Anne and I met briefly a few years ago at the F Gathering, and I have always admired her from afar, her writing and her work, but I'd never really had a real conversation with her until I did when I recorded this show with her. I'm going to admit to you guys, I was a bit nervous, and I was not sure how our personalities would go together. But as soon as I was done recording, I ran downstairs and I told Erin that I absolutely adored her. I am now an Anne Voskamp fan. Um, She recently released a book called The Broken Way, and on this show, we talk about why she wrote it and who she wrote it for. And I'll give you a little clue. She wrote it for you and for me. If you want to send us a message during the show while you're listening about anything, we'd love to hear from you over on Twitter. I'm at Jamie underscore Ivy, and she's at Ann Voskamp. Guys, here is my conversation with Ann Voskamp. And welcome to the happy hour. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here, Jamie. I am I'm so happy to have you. And you are in the middle of a whirlwind of a tour right now because you just released a new book. Um, and I'm going to assume everyone who's listening knows who Ann Voskamp is. If not, they're going to know who you are by the end of the show. So <laughs> congratulations on your new book, The Broken Way. Thank you so much. Oh, it is just um, I have not read all of it, admittedly, but I've read a lot of it. And it is just like a breath of fresh air is what it is. I'm just praying that it just Jesus means people in the pages and that in this particular culture moment, this particular landscape, um, that it really meets a real heart need. And I think that you've done that. And so I'm super proud of you. Um, we're going to talk about your book in a little bit, but I want to talk about Anne. Um, oh. <laughs> I will admittedly say I am always so thoroughly intrigued because of two things about you. Are you ready for them? Okay. <laughs> Number one. You have seven children. Wild, eh? And, and wild. And number two, you live like, for real, you live on a farm. A real farm. We do. Which yeah. we, have, um, we have 800 acres, um, about an hour and a half outside of um, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So we um, grow wheat, corn, and soybeans in rotation. And then we have 650 sows out in the barn. 
So we have about a thousand baby piglets at all times out in the barn. So it is crazy. And as people who live in the city, I, I'm sure that this gets really old to you that we're so intrigued that you live on a farm um, because we moved recently and we have get this four acres, which is like nothing hey. compared to where you live. And we feel yeah, like we are like beautiful. we're living the life right now is what we feel like. It's And you know what? Having a little bit of space to breathe is grace upon grace. It is so good. And fun fact about Jamie Ivy is that I grew up on a pig farm. Are you serious? I am. See, we're long lost sisters. I know it. And so not very many people that grew up on a pig farm. You need to tell me more. I know. So I was I was younger. It was until I was probably about, I don't know, five or six. So way young. But my parents lived out in the country outside of Brownwood, Texas. And my dad and his dad and his uncle ran a pig farm. And this is what I remember the most. This is what a five year old remember is that when my dad would come home at night, my mom would literally make him take his clothes off outside. (laughs) Before he could come inside. That's what I remember as a five-year-old. No, there, there's just nothing like the the stink of a hog. <laughs> that must, that must, my mom must have like, she had a line drawn in the sand and that was it. Like, we're not Actually, coming in the house. Um, out at our barn, we have three shower stalls, three um like changing units. And you walk into the changing unit, you change into the barn and then shower into the barn, put your barn clothes on, do your barn work, come back to your changing unit, change out of your barn clothes, shower put on your clothes to head to the house. So no barn clothes come to my house, Jamie. See, I have the same line in the sand as your mama. You are a woman who knows what is right and wrong. Yeah, no, thank yous. <laughs> oh, so did you grow up this farm life? Did you grow up living this life and it just kind of transferred into the man that you met and married and fell in love yeah, with? Um, okay. I am. Um, I grew up on a, I grew up on a hog farm. I grew up on a mom and dad had. So our, our baby pigs only stay on our farm till they're 21 days old, but I grew up on a, a ferret to finish operation, which means right from the time they're born to the time they're bacon, we raised pigs. Okay. And my my grandpa was a was a farmer. My great grandfather was a farmer. This and is your hus- life. My husband, um, as far back on their family tree, they've all been farmers. So this is the life we know and love, and are just so grateful. We just give get to live low and humble to the earth and dirt underneath our fingernails. Oh, another fun fact about Jamie is I used to be a vegetarian. Are you serious? Yeah, we were vegetarians. Aaron, our whole family for probably like six years. Okay, but then how do you decide not to be a vegetarian? Well, I know. I was I was the weakest vegetarian you've ever met. So we were <laughs> vegetarian. I think we like saw some documentary or something and then we we're like, hey, let's be a vegetarian. And also my husband was like trying to get healthy. We kind of we were just kind of in this weird, let's figure out what we need to do. And so we did and we stuck with it and we were legit. But I was a vegetarian that also ate Chick-fil-A. So oh, I there's a whole category of those. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was. I said it was like the Christian chicken. And so I could eat that. Um, but we also ate fish. But you know how we stopped being vegetarian yeah. is we became really good friends with our friends, Brad and Noel. And they just they're amazing cooks and they always had meat that looked and smelled amazing. And the next thing you know, we were cheating every time we were at their house. And so then we just decided, hey, I think we're done with this and we're done with it. I'm so glad you came back. <laughs> I know. Yeah, now we have like a huge smoker in our backyard and Aaron cooks whole animals out there. I mean, we. we oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's, okay, we're all going to Jamie's place for dinner. Tonight. I know. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what he's making? Um, So the farm life, it's so wonderful and so beautiful. Your pictures that you that you post are beautiful and your kids. Um, What was what would you say has been one of the and I'm, I'm going to equate these two together just because I'm so curious. Um, Living this life on the land, your husband working, your Mm -hmm. farm, you're you're running your business, and then you get married pretty young, and then you just start having babies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did. I know. You had your first baby when you were 21, I think. It was just crazy. It's a a baby. I have a son now who's 21, and I'm thinking, what in the actual world? Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine your son being a dad? No, I cannot. (laughs) What were we thinking? Right. But you've made it, and God has been so good. But what was that like? Because I know that... um, Running a business like you and your husband run is it doesn't ever stop. Um, and so what, you know what those early years, the first five years are, oh, Jamie, a blur, hard, hard years. We worked, I would work 16, 16 to 18 hour days in the barn. Daryl would work 20 hour days in the barn. Um, Wait, I, while I, you were mothering. Yeah. Carrying babies out to the barn, always <laughs> with a crock pot oh. dinner out in the barn. I, I remember saying to Daryl, I just, I'd be so grateful if I got to see, uh, if I got to see the sun, I would go out in the dark and we would come back to the house in the dark. And we did that for a good solid first three years for sure. It was just, 
trying to keep ourselves afloat, trying to keep ourselves from going bankrupt, trying to just make ends meet. They were just brutally hard years of just living in the barn. And um, then we we would put crops in and take crops off. Daryl would work to about noon in the barn. And then I'd carry the rest of the day by myself in the barn with two little boys. And and Daryl would go and run tractor in the field till late at night. We just really hard years. We know what it's like to live like church mice. We, some of our most brutal fights were over, <laughs> were over 10, dif- 10 cent differences in spaghetti sauce. Cause I didn't <laughs> think we could spend 10 cents more in spaghetti sauce. And Daryl said, we're dying out here. I can have spaghetti. Right. Sauce <laughs> right. Oh man. So that was hard for you. Were you guys in a place where you, um, were you strong in your faith in that time? Yeah, we really were and kept saying it. This, like, we can't sustain this long term. God mm-hmm. cannot go ahead and be calling us to this kind of life long term. And I think sometimes we, you, you do go through brutally hard seasons where um, you just have to trust that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So by the time I was pregnant with Hope, our third, um, Daryl said, you know, we're just going to take a leap of faith and, and see if we can hire somebody so that so you can be at the house. I worked part time then mm-hmm. at the barn um, a couple of hours every day. And then every other weekend I was full time in the barn so that our employee could have the weekend off. But, um, you know what? I think all of us to get started, put in long, hard hours mm-hmm. and do what it takes to get going. And I look back at it now and think, how in the world did we do that? Um, but you know what? And even during that season, we decided... It was really tempting at the beginning because there was just so much to do. So we were doing renovations at the same time that we were trying to run the barn. Um, at the same time, as we were trying to get the land turned around so that it could be productive. Um, it was just really tempting to to work on Sundays, and that's we, when we started. We would go to church on Sunday and still go back to the barn in the afternoons and keep going. And a couple months into that, Daryl said, "You know, if we set up a pattern like this, this becomes our life." Mm-hmm. And we decided. We need Sunday as a day of rest or we're just not going to make it. So always having that that Sabbath of rest, I think that's what got us through those really hard years. Mm. And, you know, that's like such a picture of the whole reason that God set that up for us is to trust him that it was going to be okay until the next day. Um, just, Just you need to go ahead and just rest in the rest of God, because otherwise burnout looms right in front of your face. Mm. You know, speaking of Sabbath, this is such a great conversation that my husband and I are often having because you could probably relate to this in a some sense of your life now is that I work from home yeah. and um, at this stage of my life, all of my kids are off at school. So everything's changed a little bit than when I was also like mothering during the day. So I feel yeah. like I put on my work hat and then my mom hat. Um, but Aaron is always getting on to me a little bit and I'm working really hard to find a rhythm where there is a day where I'm just resting and you're so right when you say that it makes you have to trust that everything's going to be out tomorrow. And I think sometimes as um, women, we can really struggle with the fact of if I don't do this now, it's not going to get done. And I think, you know, when if we can go ahead, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to go, okay, I'm not going to keep going today. I'm mm-hmm. going to just actually exhale and rest and just be present to family and friends. And I think it's, it's, saying I'm not God and God can sustain the world and he doesn't need me to be working all the time to make this happen. Right. We always look at each other and say, what are we like the president of the United States of America? This can I, wait. <laughs> I'm well, so, James Ivy, you're right up <laughs> to the president. Yeah, I'm sure. So what is that even since we we're talking about that? What does that look like for you as a mom to I don't know. I'm not really sure how many of your kids are still at home, but you're mothering. Yeah, we have um, we have isn't that crazy? You have to count my head right now. How many? Have uh, five. At five home. at home. Caleb and jo- Caleb's are twenty-one, and Joshua is nineteen, and they're away at the University of Waterloo, which is only forty-five minutes away from home. So, um, they're home. Yeah, on the weekends, every other weekend or whatever. Oh, that's so, great. So, yeah. you're, and your homeschool your other five. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, well, well, Hope is seventeen, and she is in her first year of going to school, which is her last year of high school. So mm-hmm. she's going to get her six credits to go on to university. Um, and then there's Levi's fifteen, Malachi's fourteen, Shalom is eleven. They log into so they're home, but they log into online classes with Wilson Hill Academy. So I homeschool till they're grade six, and then they move to into the online academy so that they have they've got really great teachers, mm-hmm. and they they've got friends, students all around the world that they log into classes with. And um, so we're home. But I'm I'm so grateful for a really great online school that helps. For sure. And then there's little Shiloh and she's two and, and she's not in an online academy. <laughs> <laughs> she's right next to mama. All the time. 
Well, I do want to talk about little Shiloh, but I also want to ask you, what led to you guys deciding to homeschool? That's such a good question, Jamie. Um, I was taking a concurrent degree at the uh, York University in Toronto in child psychology and education. My plan always was to be a was to be a public school teacher and mm-hmm. teach history. Um, but what I was studying in child psychology was that <laughs> attachment kids um, kids really to bond closely with their parents and to feel deeply secure. It was better for them to be with their parents till they were 10 years old, which was sort of blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's back now, like 20 some years ago, homeschooling looked really different when I, we began. Um, I guess we decided, you know what, we'll start homeschooling just one year at a time, only until grade four. If we could go ahead and really make sure our kids, I wanted our kids to have um, sort of an insatiable curiosity about the world. So I really believe that a good, a good education comes down to, to reading a ton of books. So we would sign out about 100 to 150 books out of the library all the time, read for two hours. I mean, I, I just love reading books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we read to the kids. We got to grade four when Caleb was um, 10 years old and thought, okay, he can go to school now. <laughs> right. And my husband said, you know what? It's sort of just a wild ride. Us always being together all day long. Uh, we wanted a one-piece life where life wasn't fragmented into school in one box and quiet time in another box and work in another box and family life in another box. And he said, "You know what? What if we we just, we just continued homeschooling? The kids stayed home, and we just sort of lived this one-piece life where all the parts of our lives were just sort of woven together." And it's been messy and chaotic and crazy hard. And homeschooling is not a some kind of pill that you take and everything turns out perfectly it is i think you know it's it's down in the trenches mm-hmm. but it's doing life together and we chafe up against each other and we apologize and we learn what it's like to incarnate the gospel for each other and um we wouldn't have i mean it's been a really beautiful life we wouldn't have it any other way but it certainly hasn't been um picture perfect by any stretch of the imagination so many days i wanted to throw in the towel Oh my goodness, so many days. I want to throw in talent. This is crazy. I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. But a very good husband that would talk me off a cliff many times. <laughs> and um and just exhale and breathe and say, you know what, the most important part is that we just do life in an authentic, real way together. Yeah. So and you know what? By the grace of God, Caleb is in um an entrepreneurship business program scholarship at the University of Waterloo, and and Joshua is in <laughs> mathematical physics and quantum physics at the university of waterloo wow so, so they've learned a lot because well, that you know, and you know what the kids come back kill and josh come back and say the best thing was, was just really a library card and reading 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 that the whole world was full of the glory of god and that learn learning was a lifelong process that we really weren't trying to fill a bucket up full of knowledge for them, but we were just really trying to, to light a match that mm-hmm. they were just indicted and curious about the world. So. That's amazing. And that's what we want for our kids, for sure. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm 
to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Um. Okay, so you said about it hasn't always been picturesque oh. and you've had your hard times. Really hard times between getting started farming and just homeschooling. There were days there were just lots of tears and pulling out my hair, Jamie. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, you've also had hard stuff in your own personal life. Um, and you write about some of that in, in your writing and what is, you wrote the broken way. Who did you write that for? I think lots of us mm-hmm. carry around unspoken, broken, mm-hmm. we're high functioning. We look like we have it all together. Um, broken people are people out there and it's not us, but I think, I think all of us bear scars and wounds. And I think, um, the broken way really is an invitation to go ahead and, um, be brave to look yeah. at the scars, trace those scars, and see that um, not to deny. I think so much of dysfunction in the world comes from denying brokenness. This culture around us begs us to escape from brokenness, bury brokenness, numb from brokenness and suffering, and do whatever it takes to just avert all suffering and brokenness in the world. And I think that creates deep dysfunction. And over time, it becomes sort of toxic in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, the broken way is is this gentle <laughs> taking of your hand um, to trace the scars, to, to bring them to Christ and press our wounds up against his wounds. And there can be deep healing in those places. And that that, that brokenness doesn't disqualify you from being a world changer. Mm. Don't ever trust leaders that don't blimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you being um, broken, carrying unspoken broken qualifies you to have to be the world changer that can reach out to the brokenhearted, you understand empathy. You understand what that brokenness feels like. And you know a wounded healer that can bring transformation. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote The Broken Way really for, for those who are questioning, what do I do with my one broken heart? Mm-hmm. What's the answer to pain and suffering in the world? And how do I live an abundant life in the midst of brokenness? Mm. And you started out the book in a very vulnerable way, I thought, Um I was I was reading it and I was just very proud of you for setting the stage of saying, here's this like some vulnerableness of my heart and my story and my brokenness. Um, and I think what that does for the reader is go, OK, like mm-hmm. Anne gets this. She's she mm-hmm. has brokenness in her as well. Um, mm-hmm. Was the writing of this book a hard part to go back and feel those broken places again? Yeah, yeah really, <laughs> really painful. But I think after. After 1,000 gifts, writing down all the things I was grateful for, my heart just broke with gratefulness. I encountered so many people who were giving thanks for such hard, hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I write in the broken way that withness breaks brokenness. Withness, knowing that you're not alone, mm-hmm. that you're not the only one. And God himself, he's Manuel, he's God with us. 
I think um, I think there's deep healing when people. Um, I think the broken way is really about living a life of humility, vulnerability, generosity that leads to what we're all desperate for: deep intimacy, connection, and communion. And mm-hmm. I think if we're if we can be vulnerable enough to share our brokenness, say you're not alone. <laughs> I'm, I could bear my own scars. And I think we, we give each other a tremendous gift of, okay, I'll go first and I'll lay mm-hmm. my broken heart and my, my scars out on the table so that you feel safe mm-hmm. to go ahead and be honest about your brokenness. And that's, all, that's the only place we can encounter deep um, community, communion, and, and Christ is encountered in, with broken people sharing their broken hearts, we encounter the brokenheartedness of Christ. And and he creates a deep, not only communion, but healing and shalom in those places. Yeah. I was just talking with someone the other day and I was saying, I think one of the, the thing that's hard for the, for women in the church, the big church that we have um, here on earth is that um, a lot of times we feel as though if I share some of these things with you, if I share some places I've been, some heart I've been through, um, what are you going? What are you going to then perceive me as? And I feel like so many times um, we're we're not allowing God to get so much glory um, because we're so we're holding everything in. And and what happens is when we let it out and we share, like in your terms, the, our brokenness in this broken way, God is saying, "Yeah, I get glory because because you're on the other side. You know, I'm I'm get the glory in this, not you." Exactly. And I think. That's the whole point. We, we may come to the cross with our brokenness, but then we think, okay, now I have to show that I have it all together. All together. We wear these masks in our communities, and ultimately, when we wear masks, Christ is the one who's masked. Exactly, yeah. Mask is masked. The, the, all the glory that should go to Him is completely masked. So the broken way is begging, here, can we gently, tenderly take this mask off? Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and be, it's safe to show your brokenness. And in that, taking the mask off, the mask is taken off from who Christ is and what he can mm-hmm. do in your life. And then he gets all the glory. And the good news then is ultimately really good news. Mm, yeah. And I think that the world is waiting to see us take our mask off. Well, exactly. Because you know what? All masks that we wear, the only person that thinks the mask is actually working is, <laughs> is us. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of the world, our masks are pretty flimsy and pretty see-through. They can see that we're hypocritical. They can see that, like, why would... What, why would we come into a church when all of you are wearing masks and I know I've got brokenness. Mm. You obviously don't have really good news. It, it's all a sham and a fraud. Mm-hmm. And if we can be brave enough to take the mask off, say, this is my brokenness, we become a safe place for the world to come into and encounter real healing, real shalom, the real Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 such a, a great message. And I'm, I'm so proud of you for saying it, um, as well as other women who are saying it, because we're just all looking at each other saying, hey, Let's kind of link arms and do this witness that you're talking about. And we can do this together. I think it's doing it together. And I really do think this is a message that God is birthing out into the world right now in a million different ways. I agree. Yes. <laughs> this, this this is this different voices, different stories, different books, um, different women telling their stories. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's coming from all kinds of different angles. And I'm just so excited that it, it does really seem like it's the Lord wants us as the church um, faith communities out into a brokenhearted world to really get this message in different ways. I love hearing it echoed in different places all over the place. Jamie. Oh, it's so true. I remember a couple of years ago, I wrote about some hard things for the first time, like out into the internet world. You know how that's like. <laughs> and I remember um, my husband's a pastor at our church. And I remember a woman came up to me and she said, um, I've never told anybody mm-hmm. that I had an abortion. And yeah. I read your stuff and I thought, she's a pastor's wife. And she says it and she gives God glory and she goes, I'm going to tell somebody now. And I just thought, man, all she needed was to see somebody say, hey, I am broken and Jesus is bigger. Exactly. And I think when we go ahead and say, I've got this all together, we shrink Jesus down and make nothing (laughs) impotent in the world. And if if we can each go ahead and say, I am broken in the midst of that brokenness through those cracks, the light and the healing grace of Christ is actually revealed. Yeah. And you know what we actually do also, Anne, is we diminish the cross. Completely shrink it. We shrink it down to it's not not that big of a deal. Exactly. And that it's not actually very powerful and it's not actually big enough to meet my brokenness. And mm-hmm. I think I really realized in the broken way that, you know what, if we won't go ahead 
if we're, I realized ultimately, number one, that I was terrified of brokenness that behind, I really believe that if we can find our fears, we find our idols. And I was mm. afraid of a million things. And ultimately my idol all the time was somewhere along the line. I was afraid of a broken thing. I was afraid of people saying that, hey, I wasn't perfect. Hey, I didn't have it all together. Mm-hmm. Hey, that things are really busted in here behind our closed door here. Um, so for now, realizing every time that I'm afraid of something, what is the brokenness that mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to avert, run from, numb, escape? Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think we can go ahead and say, I'm not afraid of a broken thing. Christ is redeeming everything. I need to believe. Christ is drawn, attracted to brokenness. Mm-hmm. And because he knows that in broken places, he's writing a redemptive story. He's creating resurrection from those places. I talk over and over again in the broken way that, that our lives are like seeds. <laughs> when it, before a seed brings forth new life, it has to be crushed open. And that, that might look like destruction. That might look like painful brokenness. But if I can trust, just be patient through that process of brokenness, not run, not try to escape, not hide, but be patient through that process of brokenness. New life is going to come from from that seed. Resurrection is going to come from that seed. It's the way the universe is is created. Death to resurrection, death to resurrection. Mm. If I could not be afraid of broken places, I, I could start to experience redemption. I could start to experience resurrection. I think ultimately when we go ahead and try to avoid brokenness, we, we shortchange, we, uh, we circumvent the resurrection stories that could happen in our lives. And I, I just, uh, I'm praying that through the broken way, people can experience um, the courage, mm. the way to, to be drawn towards brokenness so that we can start to experience deep resurrection out of broken places. Mm. It's good to be reminded of that because I feel like sometimes when you're in the middle of the brokenness, yeah. you can't oh see anything but the brokenness. Now, and, I, and We can't see anything but the brokenness. And it just seems like it's brokenness all around us, brokenness yeah. ahead of us. So all I can do is try, I need to get out of this brokenness yeah. as opposed to, can I take a deep breath and say, I don't, I don't need to fix this right now. God's in control of the world. <laughs> he is going to go ahead and use all this brokenness, make the brokenness into abundance, make mm. a mosaic of grace, create. Ashes is never the end of God's story. Abundance is. So if I can just stop putting my hands <laughs> into this mess, trying to hold and control and shape this myself, if I can take my hands off and say, you know what, this is like a seed. A seed, I can't rush this growth. Mm. Grace grows at its own, a seed-like pace. Can I believe in a seed life that, that in this place, if I just rest and trust <laughs> that God is going to take the seed, and it might look like destruction right now, but new life is coming out of this broken place, um, I think then we can go ahead and, and experience the abundant life that we're all so desperate for. But you know what? There's a lot of, there's a lot of fear in that. Even last night, I was going through a situation. I was just desperate to get mm. a broken place thinking okay where do i hit the exit button? right <laughs> really fast right now and yeah. i have to head. i think we li- we have to stop listening so much to ourselves and talk more to ourselves mm-hmm. preach well back to ourselves so i have to go back and say don't be afraid of broken things and mm. this is where christ is redeeming everything mm. and just rest in that because i think we short circuit deep spiritual growth in our life. Mm. Growth can't happen unless there's a broke, you you break out of where you are. So brokenness has to happen for me to experience any growth and transformation. So I can't be afraid of the broken places. Because we all want the growth and transformation. We desperately want the growth and transformation, but I keep circumventing it every time I try to avoid brokenness. Yeah, because we want it without the hardness. Without the pain, without any kind of suffering. And if I can go ahead and trust that there's resurrection on the other side of this brokenness. There is growth and change and transformation on the other side of the brokenness. I mean, that's what I'm desperate for. Mm -hmm. But goodness sakes, (laughs) I constantly want to circumvent the pain. Yeah. yeah. You know, this this takes me back. This is a little bit. I was thinking as a mama, you know, I have four kids. You have um, seven kids. I was thinking as a mama, like how much I don't want my kids to feel brokenness. At all. At all. I mean, we would take everything from them, wouldn't we? I mean. But totally. And we try to smooth out yes. every road. Yes. Like, honestly, if we if we try to smooth out every road and keep our kids in this bubble, it's a hard, broken road. It's a hard, road. broken road. And I was thinking the other day, I was having a conversation with one of my kids. 
And he really struggles with um, the fact that he's different. And if I say what it is, everyone will know. So I'm not going to call it my kid. But he struggles with something about him that's different. And we prayed one night. And he was praying, God, will you please change this? Yeah. And at the end, I said, um, I also want us to think about, like, if he doesn't. If he doesn't. Then what? And um, and so we prayed again. And, and he had a really hard time saying it. And he said, if you don't. And he couldn't even really say it. And he said, but please do it, you know, and and I thought, man, that's just like us. And I wish that I didn't have to have that conversation with him, but I want to set him up for the exact conversation we're having that through the brokenness and this brokenness is it it may be for him as a, as a 10 year old, you know, um, this feeling, but I want him to know that there is growth through God working through that. Um, and that is a hard thing as a mama to do. Oh, so hard because you know what? We don't want our kids to experience pain, any pain and suffering and heartache. I mean, <laughs> we desperately want to jump in and fix that or take that for them. Mm-hmm. But if we can, if we can see that, you know what, in the midst of that pain, you're going to experience God in a more intimate, profound way. Mm-hmm. You're going to hold on to him tighter. You're going to need community around you in a way that you would never need community. It causes us to lean into each other. All the things that we desperately want in mm-hmm. life, which is that connection, that communion, that witness with other people, all that, that the intimacy and closeness we want with Christ, they come through painful places yeah, yeah. That, that we so don't want to experience. Oh, it's it's the truth. But and, and you know, another example, I had a friend the other day, she was really expressing some hard stuff she's going to and she was saying how she's never felt closer to Jesus. It's so true. And I I I I called her back and I and I with tears I said, "I'm a little bit jealous." Yeah. Because I know what that feels like to be in the midst of so much struggle and pain and you cling to the savior like you never have. And then life gets smoother and all of a sudden you start to think, "Oh, I have this. I have this. I've got this." Um and yet that closeness that we feel with him when we are in, we're all in such great need. But you know what I mean when I say when we just feel as though life is crumbling, it's very broken. And, and every breath, I just, I need to hold on to mm-hmm. you so tight because I just don't even know how to get through this. I met a woman the other night and, and she's, she leaned in and she said, um, she said, can you write in the front of the broken way for me? Can you just inscribe it? Just write a prayer for me. She said, could you just write, may I know you, Lord, being healed as I have known you in brokenness, and may you use me in health the way you've used me in brokenness. Mm. She had stage four cancer, and she said, you know, the Lord has brought me into remission, and she said, I'm so scared that he's not going to use me as a healed person Mm. as he's used me in brokenness, and I'm not going to know him healed like I knew him in brokenness. And I just thought, we avert the pain and the (sighs) suffering. But look at, she was used in the most profound ways in people's life in Mm -hmm. the midst of that pain and suffering. And she had the deepest intimacy and communion with Christ in the midst of that suffering. And and, and how, why do I try it? I mean, seriously, I talk about so many times in in the broken way, koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship. We think of it so often as as coffee hour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, But ultimately, it's, it's, participating, it's sharing, participating in the sufferings of Christ, mm-hmm. participating in, in the sufferings in a brokenhearted world. And if we want deep koinonia, fellowship, connection with people, the only way to get to that is, is to participate in sufferings with other people, participate in the sufferings of Christ in a brokenhearted world. The only place, the way to get the, the destination we want, abundance, is, is taking that broken way through brokenness. Mm, it's so good. Okay, guys, we're going to get right back to my conversation with Anne. But today I wanted to make sure that you know about Winterfest at Pine Cove. You've heard me talk about Pine Cove a lot now, and you know that I love it. We send our kids there. We've been there as a family. We're huge fans of Pine Cove. Well, coming up December 16th through 18th, you can send your kids, 1st through 12th grade, to camp in a weekend called Winterfest. It's like summer camp, only cooler. Besides having top-of-the-line facilities and awesome activities like the high ropes course, horseback riding, and more, your kids will get to meet Pine Cove's awesome counselors. These are the same counselors who worked last summer, and they are excellent, super fun, and they each love Jesus a lot. They can't wait to meet your camper and invest in them. As a mom, I've loved sending my kids to Pine Cove because they have tons of fun, and they get to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Guys, you can learn more and sign up at pinecove.com slash Winterfest. Now, here is the rest of my conversation with Anne. 
I wrote down something the other day as I was reading your book that you said, and you said the only way to care for the disadvantage no. is to disadvantage yourself. I'll tell you, I know exactly where I was when I finally had that epiphany, and it sort of blew my mind. Where were you? I was. I just um, connected with Katie Davis, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I spent three days with Katie, and you know the. We think, I want to go and change the world. I want to go care for the disadvantaged. The only way to do that is to disadvantage yourself <laughs> and, and to go ahead. And I will, um, we look at that, that woman who puts that, that might, everything that she has into the, the collection box there mm-hmm. in the Testament. And we think, you know what? I want to go ahead and give, but I'm just going to give out of my excess mm-hmm. as opposed to, can I give <laughs> so that there's, it, it breaks my heart a little bit so that I understand the brokenhearted. And I think um, Tim Keller talks about social justice. What does social justice look like in the world? How do we go ahead and affect change in the fabric of the world? We're supposed to go and look along for the places where there's a rip and tear in the social fabric, where there's brokenness. And the only way to go ahead and strengthen that fabric where there's a rip and tear is, it, is to tear off a thread from our own fabric and weave that through the, the weakened place in the fabric. So I, I think for me, that's been such a visual of the I just say over and over again, the broken way, bad brokenness is broken by good brokenness. We look at the Mm. bad brokenness in the world where there is, where there is sin, where there is dysfunction, where there is, where there is less than human flourishing. And the only way to break that bad brokenness is for us to take a bit of our own life, break off a bit of our own life, break off a bit of our own hearts, break up a bit of the bread that we have been given and share it, give it to that broken place. I think, um, for us to go ahead and affect any change in the world, we're supposed to feel along for the fissures and brokenness in the world and then break off a little bit of our hearts and pour it into that brokenness. Mm-hmm. This has been personal for you over the past couple of years. It really has. I think, um, oh, Jamie, none of us need any more books that are didactic and written cerebrally. We need, we need stories that have skin on them, people mm-hmm. that have tried to incarnate it. Because you know what? <laughs> the ideas and the theology... It, it can look great behind a pulpit, but unless it's actually incarnated in our flesh, it's sort of stillborn theology. And it, once we start to incarnate it, it is messy mm-hmm. and it is hard. And, and I think for people, stories need to be real and say, you know what? This is what it looks like when you try to put feet to this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's, not, it's not neat. It's not packaged nicely, but it, it's life transforming um, for us. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the most transformational things were those three days with Katie Davis. If you're going to help the disadvantaged, you yourself have to be disadvantaged. But you're the one. I mean, I tell the story in The Broken Way that um, a story of uh, it was a community, which is sort of a crazy thing, a community where there was a, an incredibly high population of people who were um, who were deaf. So the community as a whole decided that they were all going to learn sign language. Mm. So in a way, quote unquote, sort of disadvantaging themselves mm-hmm. to help the disadvantaged. But those who had disadvantaged themselves and learned sign language found out that they were using sign language for a myriad of other purposes right? and, and found themselves not disadvantaged, but more fulfilled, mm-hmm. found themselves entering again, that fulfilling abundant life. So it looks again, if all truth is paradoxical, it's upside down. So it looks like, oh, wow, as I disadvantage myself to help the disadvantaged, I end up being more fulfilled and entering into more of the abundant life, which is exactly what we've been experiencing. Um, I guess. Well, can I stop you real quick before Uh, you tell me you you actually go on in that quote and the rest of it says, which is guaranteed to turn out to your advantage. It is. So as you go ahead, as you disadvantage for the disadvantage, it ends up being for your advantage. Right. So you have to, that takes crazy courage Mm -hmm. to trust that that's actually true. Right, right. So what does that look like for you and Daryl? Oh, wow. We've been on a crazy, broken way kind of journey. Um, I mean, I guess the big things, I mean, it, 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 it plays itself out in a million ways. Every for sure, day, for in sure. Small ways. But um, I guess I start, we started what? I lose track of time here. I guess it's almost been a year and a half. Um, we started this journey towards adopting. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, when we looked at our life and go, wow, we already have six kids. We don't have, there's not enough of us to do this. We, we are not super women, mm-hmm. <laughs> super men at all. And it's so easy to buy into the myth 
of scarcity instead of live into the mystery of abundance. We look at ourselves and say, I don't have enough to live broken and given. I don't have enough to be the gift and give it forward every day. Mm. There's just not enough of me to do this. And in and of ourselves, dang it all, there is not enough. Mm-hmm. But but with Christ in us, and if I live into the, the truth, the mystery, that there is um, sufficient grace moment by moment. So we took this leap of faith, and I think oftentimes leap of faiths feel like steps of fear. Right. <laughs> but, but you're stepping out of your comfort zone. For sure. And um, so we start this avalanche of of paperwork to um, to adopt a little girl from from China who was... Um, uh, abandoned, left beside a river, age of four days. Um, mm. Someone found her, thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. And um, she was taken to an uh, orphanage and um, found that she has literally half a heart. She has a broken heart. Um, mm. And uh, she made her way to Morningstar in Beijing, um, Meredith Touring, and all of her little cardiac babies. Mm-hmm. Um Meredith got her surgeries to um, uh, a BT shunt to hold down pressure so that Shiloh would still be operable when she got to the West. Um, so I, April of this past year, flew to China to um, to bring home little Shiloh and her little broken heart. Shiloh went into um, open heart surgery in the middle of August for her second of three open heart surgeries, um, Lord willing, maybe next summer, or we might get two years out of this current um, heart surgery. And then she, um, and even still after Shiloh's third heart surgery, she will still be palliative, which means there's no ultimate cure slash fix. Someday, Lord willing, there's a heart transplant in Shiloh's future. So I just, I think it for us, it was again, not running away from broken things, mm. but like Jesus being attracted to the broken, drawn to the broken, because ultimately I am the broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just seeing, experiencing a, the joy of Shiloh has just <laughs> heart fireworks every single day. Mm-hmm. Malachi, um, our 14-year-old, he, he says, you know, our, our house feels like music now is with Shiloh laughing Aww. at us. <laughs> um, when they come in from the barn every morning, it's always... Where's Shiloh? Can I have Shiloh? Can I take Shiloh? Everybody wants Shiloh. Her smile and her laughter has healed deep brokenness in our family. Everybody mm-hmm. says, what would life have looked like without Shiloh? So I think in and of ourselves, we think, wow, cannot deal, cannot do this. Um, we had family members who said, there is no way you have the bandwidth to do this. Mm-hmm. Now come back and said, oh my goodness, <laughs> what would our lives have looked like without this little baby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, um, I think, trusting that living a cruciform life, living a life that looks shaped like the cross, looking, living a life that looks broken and given into a brokenhearted world. We think, I cannot do this. And in and of ourselves, we can't. And I think that's why Broken Way talks so much about communion in the midst of our brokenness. We need everything that we're doing. We need to be in deep communion with Christ so that whatever we're giving forward into the world comes from who He is in us. Um, at the same time, I was filling out all this crazy paperwork to adopt to Shiloh, we just, oh, wow, we were just heartbroken for um, the worst humanitarian crisis that's happened since World War II. Millions and millions of refugees. March 2015, I flew to Iraq and sat in a shipping container with moms who had watched their husbands and brothers and sons murdered by ISIS. They had to decide which of their children they could grab in their two arms and which of their kids are now lost and they don't know where they are. Um, I just really realized, Jamie, that we are Esther living in the palace. Mm. We have been given so much. Um, someone said after I returned home, it's nice that you care about those people over there. Mm. And I was just crushed. It's not um, a Christian nicety to care about the brokenhearted. You are where you are, the reason you are born where you're born, that you have the position that you have, that you have the gifts that you have. A gift never stops being a gift. It's always meant to be given. You are where you are for such a time as now, for those outside the gate, Mm. for those who are oppressed and marginalized and voiceless, 
Mordecai says to Esther, if you don't use your position for those outside the gate, God will send some other means to save those people. Mm. God will send somebody to care for those people. But you and your family will die. You and your family will be the living, walking dead. You will live meaningless, hollow lives. So just, I really wanted, um, I really started to experience, we were the Esther generation. We're called for such a time as now to use what you've been given for those outside the gate. So my husband and I, after I came home from Iraq, said, what can we do in the middle of a refugee crisis? Um, so we, um, the Canadian government allows us to have private sponsorship to, to literally adopt a refugee family for a full year, provide for all their needs, their housing, help them get English as a second language, um, get them to the place where they can be employed. So um, our refugee family, which is now our newcomer family, um, came from Syria, Aleppo, um, with only three backpacks for a family of six, all their earthly possessions. Um, and we met them at the airport four weeks ago. They didn't know. <laughs> they thought they were going to have um, four nights in a hotel um, paid for by the Canadian government. Mm-hmm. And they were on their own, oh my which was mind-blowing to right. us. We had a translator with us. And we had a big sign. So that's why they stopped. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's our name in Arabic on a sign. And um, so our translator said that, no, we're here to bring you to a fully furnished home. We're here to... To our witness, <laughs> we'll stay with your brokenness. And um, so um, there's a my husband and I, my mom, my sister and her husband, and about uh, 10 other families from church that have all gathered around um, our newcomer family. And my sister, without fail, texts me at least three times a week to say, this is the best thing we have ever done with mm. our lives. We have fallen in love with the Syrian refugee family who've... Um, Actually, Zacharias hugged my husband the other day when Daryl went to leave and said, you are like a brother to me. Mm. Um, it's just been, and actually this past week, they asked, crazy, they asked if they could go to church with us. Wow. <laughs> so this little country church in the middle of backwater Canada, cornfields, <laughs> had a Muslim family sitting there. And um, we stood up and we welcomed them. We had um, welcome to their family in Arabic on our screen up at the front. And, mm. and little um, Fatin, his wife, she was sitting there brushing away the tears. So um, my husband sat there with Google Translate and his phone as fast as he could, trying to translate, which actually was just straight up gospel sermon this week, um, mm-hmm. translating it to our family. So you know what? In and of ourselves, we think, how do we live broken and given out into a brokenhearted world? But we can take a step of faith, and that might be reaching out to a single mom in your community. That might be saying, hey, I could volunteer at the food bank. That might be, how could I help out at, a, at, the, at the crisis pregnancy center that might be just how can I be present to one kid who's feeling alone and unseen I just think how can we go ahead and give it forward every day Mm -hmm. after I counted a thousand gifts I wanted to be the gift (laughs) giving it forward every day out into a brokenhearted world so at thebrokenway.com we have just a calendar for every month of the year that you just go ahead and download and it gives you a prompt not for random acts of kindness because in the middle of the craziness of life we can forget. <laughs> but how can we go ahead and intentionally give it forward every day? It has a prompt every day for just for you and your kids, your family, just to reach out in the smallest, simplest ways. But I think once we once we go ahead and give it forward, live cruciform with our hands outstretched like a cross broken and given, I think we know we change one person's world and that person changes another person's world. And we have this ripple effect out into the world that really try, does begin to usher in upside down kingdom and abundance and shalom. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
Mm, that is so beautiful. And I am just, I'm so gracious to sit here and listen um, to the, to the story that you mm-hmm. um, have been on through the mm-hmm. grace of God mm-hmm. um, in your life and the way that this has become um, tangible for you. It's an encouragement um, to me. It's an encouragement to our listeners. And so um, thank you for being vulnerable with your words mm-hmm. um, and writing them down and in talking with me today. Oh, thank you so much. Just thank you for, thank you for your joy and gathering us all around. Oh, you're so you give us manna. Thank oh, you, so good. Okay. The last two questions that I always finish with. Okay. Um, got answers here, girl. After, you know, <laughs> such a, a fabulous conversation we just have, it feels kind of weird to jump into these, but we're going to do it because that's what we do at the happy hour. So, yeah. um, and what are you reading these days? Okay. Actually, right now, as a family, we're finishing up Matthew, and I'm going to jump into Genesis. Okay. And I have been reading, I've been sort of on a Eugene Peterson deal, so I'm reading A Long Obedience in the Same Direction Mm. is where I've been really digging my teeth into. But I have got Mary Oliver on my nightstand upstream selected essays is... um, you know what? I want to read deep things. And at the same time, I want to read beautiful things. So uh-huh. those are the things I've, I've, I think if you read lots of books all at the same time, the books all start to have conversations with themselves <laughs> and there's connections and intersections that I find really rich. So, okay. I love that. Um, I love that your families, are, I always say readers are leaders. And I love that, that that's such a valuable part of your oh, family's I mean, life. I just think if I only, if I don't read, I only get to live my life. But if I read lots of other people's words, I get to live all kinds of other people's lives and experiences and grow and change through their experiences. So yeah, lots of books always only go at the same time. Oh, it's the best. Okay. What are three things you're loving these days? Oh, man. I am loving good warm soup. Right now, if I can just have as much hot soup as possible. Oh, yeah. Soup for me. I am loving. Okay. Well, I have a question. Yeah. We're recording this. I think today's what? November 5th? Yep. Um, I'm going to assume it's cold in Canada right now. You know what? We have moved to Chile now. Oh, actually, and then th- that was a pun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, we have moved to cold now. It, it was a warm fall. But after, yeah, after once we hit November, we now are in coat season. So it means that's lots of squash soups, oh. lots of chilies, um, lots of potato soup. I just can't get enough of good soup and bread right now. Oh, and you're in Dallas. We're recording and <laughs> it's hot. I mean, here in Austin, and you people need seasons. <laughs> oh, it's crazy! I every day I look and think, when can we start a fire? Because I love the fire in the house, but oh, you just you can't. And that my husband, um, for my birthday this year, he put a a fire out on the back deck, and there is nothing like in the evening oh, in the fall, yes. having a fire and hot soup and looking up at the stars. So okay, so hot soup, I love it. One time I ordered at a restaurant soup, and I didn't know it was going to be cold soup, and it was I do I cannot have cold soup. You know it's how some like, soup is served cold? And actually, as a, in this tour, I, all I need is a, just just give me comfort food. I just need a bowl <laughs> of soup somewhere. That's all I need right now. Okay, so hot soup. What else are you loving? Oh, what else am I loving? I am loving, again, Eugene Peterson. I am just totally reading mm-hmm. all things Eugene Peterson right now. And I am loving Rend Collective, uh, cranked really, really loud. Good music for the soul right now. Rend Collective, Jason Gray, Eugene Peterson, and Hot Bowls of Soup. Okay, I love that. This sounds like everything you need on your tour to get you through. <laughs> oh, and I needed some Jamie Ivy. So oh, thank, it was such you. a joy. And you're almost home. And so you can get back and gather around your people out yeah. on the back porch with a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has been phenomenal chatting with you. Um, thank you for putting your words out for us to read. Um, thank you for being diligent to the word. And thank you for um, being an example of loving Jesus in the midst of the broken way. So thank you. Love you to the moon and back girl. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. We love you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, wasn't that such a fun conversation with Anne? I felt like I needed to apologize to her for feeling like she lived this picturesque life on a farm with seven kids and everyone put together. Um, She's just a normal person, just like you, just like me, raising her babies, living on a farm, all kinds of stuff. I really think one of my most favorite parts about this conversation we had was when she talked about us being an Esther generation. I cannot stop thinking about that since we chatted. I adored our conversation. Um, I adore everything Anne's doing for the kingdom. Um, She is someone that I can deeply look up to and respect, and I cannot wait for our paths to cross again one day. Guys, if you're listening and you're thinking, I want to know where to get that book, or I want to know where to get that, don't worry. Every single week, I put up on my webpage, jamieavy.com, a whole page of what we call show notes. On that page, you can find everything we chatted about, any links that you need, If you ever think, hey, I heard you say something, it's not there. Just tell us. We'll find it for you. No worries. We love to help you find stuff. 
Guys, thanks so much for listening. Today's show was edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. Hey, guys, if you happen to miss last week's show, which was number 115, uh, my friend Rachel Hollis joined me, and it was our special holiday gift guide episode. Rachel and I talked about three different companies that we think are worth you spending your money this year for Christmas. Everything from pillows to candles to popcorn to jewelry to planners to prints, so much more. Guys, go back and check out that show if you're interested in learning more about those companies. Guys, enjoy your week. Happy Thanksgiving if you live here in America. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys next week. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.